Welcome back to Return to Odyssey. I'm Josh. I'm Rachel. We're back to once again deconstruct a classic Adventures in Odyssey episode. Thanks for joining us. This week, we will be tackling Nothing to Fear, episode 7 in the album The Adventure Begins. It's technically the 10th episode that aired, but when they put everything in the album, they left some things out. So Yeah. But before we get into that, we have a little bit of housekeeping stuff. And the first thing is we have some new reviews Yay! that people have posted about our show. So, Rachel, take it away. The first one is from Lee from AIO Wiki. Top notch. Four stars. Josh and Rachel have such great chemistry and their objective thoughts make this podcast very enjoyable to hear. Aww. Keep it up. And I look forward to seeing how far you get. We do, too. Mm-hmm. Only detractor. My quality is a little low, but the good stuff still shines through. Thanks, Lee. We do recognize we are operating on a low budget. Um, yeah, and our mic quality is yeah. not great. We mentioned before we're recording these on a cell phone. Yeah, so at some point, it'd be great to get a good mic. Maybe we will. We'll see. But at any rate, that's Lee from AIO Wiki, which, by the way, if you haven't listened, we've done a couple guest episodes yes. on his podcast, which AIO is- Audio News. And you can head over there. Lee is a great guy, mm-hmm. and we've had really fun yeah. time chatting with him we did one on really obscure old episode and we've been doing a series on the maury rydell arc out of current odyssey our first listen to the maury rydell arc and then we're talking through it with him and we have the first six episodes covered i don't know if our second recording is out it hasn't posted yet not posted yet all right so look out for that and there will be a third one and that's not only our introduction to Maury Rydell. Kind of our return to Odyssey in general. Yeah, it's the first Odysseys that we had listened to in... 10 years. Oh, more than that. More than that. More and than we're that. going back to the early classics, the old school stuff. And these are new characters that we were unaware of. And we're really having a good time yeah. getting back into this it's stuff. The second review is from MacBook Pro 14. Somehow I think that's probably a automatically generated probably. thing. But if you are the MacBook Pro, then... Thank you so much. Thank you for giving us a five-star review. Yes, and all it says is five stars. The dynamic between Josh and Rachel is great. They have insightful things to say about the early episodes of Odyssey. This is an entertaining podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, both Lee and MacBook Pro. I'm glad you're entertained. Yes, I am. Are you not entertained? (laughs) Well, we certainly are. We will continue making these as long as we are entertained. We're glad you are entertained along with us. We also wanted to say thank you so much, everyone who has told us in person that they like the show and how much they like the show. We don't carry notebooks in our pockets to write down what you say and ask to quote you out of context but support we do appreciate it support from our friends is cool yes. and those of you who are listening you're cool friends for sticking around with us mm-hmm. so that we can continue to do this this episode is sponsored in part by audible you can sign up in the link in our show notes for your free 30-day trial of audible comes with two free audiobook downloads and our book of the week that we're recommending is The Tale of Despero by... Kate DeCamelo. Kate DeCamelo. We have a character in this episode who is afraid of mice, but maybe she would not have been had she read Despero. Yeah, Despero, if you're not familiar with it, is a story about a mouse that wants to be a knight and the human princess that he falls in love with and shenanigans ensue. As they inevitably would. 
and it's a delightful story. It's so. it's a really cute children's book, but plenty there for adults to like as well. As an adult, so go over to Audible, get your free trial, download Despero, and have it read to you, and get yourself a hot cup of tea or something. Enjoy. So, without further ado, let's dive into the episode. Nothing to fear. So our story begins as usual with Chris giving an intro and asking. Mm-hmm. Have you ever come face-to-face with your biggest fear? And then we have a brief little sketch like we do oftentimes in these early episodes. And this is a little boy bargaining with monsters under his bed. It's very Kelvin and Hobbes-ish. Something under the bed is drooling. And he's like, I know you're under there, monsters. I'm going to look, and you're not going to get me. I'm not afraid of you. And then he looks down under his bed. And his cat runs out from underneath. We just hear it go, and he's like, oh, Fluffy, it's just you. And that's the entire skit. Mm -hmm. Then Chris says, we'll talk about fear and how to overcome it when we meet Shirley, who is afraid of everything, and Jake, who is afraid of nothing, and find out where real courage comes from. Because the Bible says there is something stronger than fear, and she does kind of the... It's almost the quiz show kind of format. You want to know what it is? You could look it up in your Bible. It's in 1 John chapter 4. As if kids are going to be running off for their Bible instead of listening to Adventures in Odyssey. Maybe they should have been, but I never did when I was a kid. Right. Being honest here. On with the story. Yeah, they go on with the story. We have the Mr. Whitaker intro, and then we show up at Wits End and hear a shriek. From Shirley Ziegler. Yeah, so our introduction to this character is her screaming at the top of her lungs. Because a little boy, Jake, is holding a mouse right in her face. Get it away from me! And Jake gives off this cackle. It's a Bart Simpson laugh. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, because this is such a commotion, Mr. Whittaker comes over and says, What's going on here? And Surly's like, he's got a mouse! Make him get it away from me, Mr. Whitaker! And Jake says, my dad got it for me, Mr. Whitaker. His name is Luther. Okay, so the first thing that we have to say, and we're going to probably rag on them a number of times throughout the episode, these kids are so annoying. Sadly, this is some of the worst voice acting we have encountered so far from everybody except Hal Smith. Yeah, Mr. Whitaker, great. Connie, really briefly in it. Yeah, she's, she's of course fine. great, but she's only in it for like blink and you miss it. Yeah. Everybody else, I don't know if this was something that they just had to scribble out and do really quick because they were short on time. I, I don't know no what's idea. going on. Both of the main kid characters were, were extremely annoying. They were, yeah. It's a combination of the voice acting and the writing because already you're cringing over Shirley's shrieking over. She's just so shrill. And Jake comes across, like, everything he says kind of drips snottiness. Oh, man. Just like this, my dad got got him for me, Mr. Whitaker. It's an unnecessarily pompous tone for a line that could have been, hey, he's my pet mouse, my dad got him for me. Yeah. Just the delivery of, like, who is this child? I know. So Mr. Whitaker is like, oh, can I see him? Oh, he's a cute little guy. Can I hold him? So he's holding him and petting him, and Shirley's like, Ew, how can you touch him like that? Yeah, and Wit's like, he's just a little mouse. Don't worry about it. Which story problem here? Because 
Of all the rodents that you could have as a pet, mice are the smallest. And from experience with hamsters, it is the epitome of stupidity to take your pet rodent into a public place if you don't have anything to contain him. If you don't have him in a cave or you don't have a leash or something, he is going to get lost. They make leashes for mice? They make leashes for hamsters. They might for mice. I'm just trying to figure Is it like really thin, like a little thread? Or... Yeah, so it's like this little quarter inch harness made out of quarter inch cord, right? And you hook it on, you know, his neck and his torso, and you attach to a small chain. And my sister would walk him I'm... around the house. <laughs> mice in harnesses just sounds like Queen Mab in her chariot a... running around. It and... feels very sumptuous Fa- to fairy have land. a for, for your hamster. Anyhow, Anyhow, mice and leashes, but he doesn't have his mouse on a leash. No, he does not. you could predict what's going to happen. Yes, but it doesn't happen yet. Mr. Whitaker says, does he say something like there's no need to be afraid of the mouse? And Danny, Jake's friend, and Jake both say, oh, she's afraid of everything. And they list off this whole list of stuff that she's afraid of. Hamsters, rats, mice, fire, heights, turtles crowds, being alone, the merry-go-round at the carnival, toy guns, bikes, stuffed animals, and then Jake ends with, I don't know why she doesn't lock herself in the closet. So when I heard this list, it immediately brought to mind that scene from Charlie Brown Christmas, where he's talking to Lucy at the lemonade stand psychiatrist office, and she's like, maybe you have pantophobia. Do you have pantophobia? What's pantophobia? The fear of everything! That's it! Yeah. Because... She literally is afraid of everything. Even when he says, I think she might as well just lock herself in the closet. She's like, the closet? All alone? In the dark? dark. And And Wit just has to chuckle at her. And he doesn't really tell her. You're being ridiculous. Yeah, but we get the tone that. And he says, well, you're not afraid of me, are you? Oh, no. Except when you wear your black overcoat. It's kind of creepy. And both Danny and Jag are like, oh, my gosh. So Wit is trying to help get the boys off her back a little bit. And he says, sometimes fear can be a healthy thing. For example, Luther the mouse, I know that he's a pet mouse, he's okay. But if I saw some mouse outside and picked him up, I'd be foolish not to be afraid. Because it might have germs, it might bite me, there might be all kinds of problems with it. And I have some issue with his use of the word fear here. He's not wrong in principle. But there's a difference between fear, the kind of fear especially that she is showing right now for the mouse, and caution. Wit is not going to walk out, see a mouse in the gutter, and, you know, shriek like a girl and say, oh, it's a mouse! Yeah, but and he he's, won't pick it up. Like, and he's, he's not pissed. waking up at night in cold sweats dreaming about mice coming at him or whatever. Exactly. So there's... There's a difference between, between a healthy caution or yes. paranoia. Mm-hmm. And like Rachel said, there are gradations of fear. And there are some things that are worth being upset by, but not necessarily fear in the way we think of fear as like a well, paralyzing yes. terror. Wit talks about this too in the next sentence when he says, there are fears we need to overcome, not only because they are unhealthy, but because they show a lack of trust in God. Which is absolutely true. It's a perennial conversation we have because, and this may also be marrying fear with worry you can be Mm -hmm. worried about 
the future, worried about what's going to happen. But that should lead us to our knees, not to being paralyzed. And, and this feels totally relevant for us as adults. Yeah. It's funny because as a child, you might be afraid of silly things. As an adult, you get worried about all kinds of things that are legitimately troubling about our world, mm -hmm. maybe about finances, maybe about job stuff, maybe about any number of things mm -hmm. that the proper response is to take it to the Lord in prayer yes. and trust him to handle things. Yes. And we need not be afraid. Mm -hmm. Then he brings up the verse, perfect love casts out fear and gives the illustration of a light being turned on in a dark room. He said, as soon as that light is on, there is no darkness. It's immediately eliminated. If you are so full up with the love of God, there is no more room for fear. Which is a fine thing to say. I don't have issue with that metaphor. So he says a lot of our fears are not because we have good reason to be afraid, but because our mind are playing tricks on us. Are you sure that your fear of mice is not just all in your head? And this is a very good way of helping someone overcome they're rather unreasonable fear because we have those kinds of problems. So we have a friend, though, who tried this with his son at one point. His son was quite young and Six. yeah, and Six. scared of frogs, tree frogs, yeah. absolutely petrified of them. And there was one time when the dad was having a conversation with the son and said, listen, you've watched the Jurassic Park movies and you're not scared of dinosaurs. What gives? Why are you scared of a little frog? Dad, dinosaurs are extinct, but there could be a frog in my bed. Frogs are real. Which I just found hilarious. That's Which, such a great distinction. Well, and, and it's beautifully kid, ironic. It's kid but level he hasn't logic. Over the hump of there's not going to be a frog in your bed. But yes, as children, we do have more of those kinds of phobias that we need to be taught out of and reminded, this is your mind playing tricks on you. So Wid is doing this kind of thing with her, and he does get her to hold Luther. And he's like, okay, you'll see that he's really cute and he's really soft, and she's petting him a little bit. She's like, hi, Luther, you are pretty nice. And then... Absolutely flips. Because Luther bites her. She or says, at least allegedly... She screams says, and says, shrieks, she drops him. And there we have, why did you bring your mouse? Because she drops him. He runs away. She's screaming. He bit me. Am I going to get rabies? Wit looks at her hand. He's like, I don't see a mark. I think you're okay. And Jake now is also flipping out of, oh my gosh, you just dropped Luther. Where did he go? My mouse How is running away that? somewhere in Wit's end. He's probably gone under a cabinet or under a display or something somewhere. You scared him. I, I knew this was going to happen. And she said, I scared him. He tried to eat me. Which, oh my goodness. Oh. Like being way too dramatic. But Jake is being a jerk at this point. Because even before... She holds Luther when it's like, Jake, is that okay? Sure, it's fine, but she's not going to hold him. And he's being very insensitive now. Have we mentioned kid, before that both these kids annoy us? Uh, yes. It was at this point, though, in the episode where you turned to me and you said, as a kid, I thought Jake was a huge jerk. But actually, I can kind of sympathize with him right yeah. now. So I remembered a lot of this episode when we started going into it. And we got to this point, and I know what's going to happen. Jake is going to wind up pranking her. And I'm like, you know what? Jake did nothing wrong. 
I revised that opinion we'll toward the end of the episode. Point. But at this point, I'm like, nope, she deserves whatever she has coming because she is just being ridiculous. Yeah. So Mr. Whitaker is saying, I, I think you're fine. I, I don't even know if he suggests anything. It might have been his claws on her. No, it doesn't say that. But I can just imagine she's holding the furry mouse and his little claws are like scratch, yeah, scratch. And she might have been like, ah, yeah. and freak out and throw him or so whatever. So Wit's trying to say, I think she's fine. And she said, my mom's a nurse. No offense, Mr. Whitaker. I think I'm going home. I think she should look at this bite. And she stalks off, and Jake is just, I think he says something like, oh, what a baby. And Wit says, something you to need to be extent. more sensitive kind of gives them the what for you you need to be more sensitive and, and jake is there with his friend danny yes and he turns to danny after mr whitaker leaves and he says shirley needs to be taught a lesson this is ridiculous she needs to know what luther felt like and yeah. what it's like to be lost and alone out there somewhere and Danny's and like what what do you mean he said oh, i'm gonna think of something and then we have a cut into a dream sequence which we haven't had in odyssey yet yeah and as a piece of sound design, this is tons of it. fun. Yes. Because you can tell that the sound Marshall design Younger team... Younger and whoever else was working on the sound design with him. They were just and, having fun. Yeah. Because, first off, we have a menagerie of sound effects in the background. Creaky doors, a clock chimes. in the distance. <laughs> dong, dong, You have the, the chime dong. sound that's always very eerie. <laughs> wind whistling mm -hmm. slams and stuff like that also we haven't talked really about the music in odyssey much because to be honest a lot of it is just kind of there for us for us i'm sure there are <coughs> some music nerds out there who know a whole lot more about music than we do and could go into great detail about how the music is helping and so several... like all good behind the scenes stuff it's really good if it doesn't draw attention to itself. And most of the good. Odyssey music doesn't draw attention no. to itself. The theme is, of course, fantastic. It's iconic. And that's just a piece of childhood mm -hmm. every time I hear it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the little stings and stuff that come and go throughout have it. not been super original. A lot of them are taken from the theme, yeah. more or less. They're variations on the theme. They've not done a whole ton of extra stuff. They did it a little bit in the episode we reviewed with Lee, but... It's later into the 90s, I think, that I remember them doing more unique stings as we mm -hmm. go through the episode. This particular sequence was very unique for us. And it's subtle in the background, in with the menagerie of different sound effects. There's this piano riff going on in the music. Mm -hmm. And it is directly, and I would be very surprised if it wasn't specifically intentionally influenced as an easter egg it is very classic horror movie soundtrack stuff it's a minor key it's a fairly rapid piano riff that harkens back specifically for me to the theme from john carpenter's halloween and the exorcist both of which came out in the 70s they were already part of that pop culture soup, and it's a very specific kind of rhythm going on with the high notes on the piano. That's going on in the background of her nightmare she's having, which I just think is a nice little music Easter egg. So The Exorcist came out in 1973, and Halloween came out in 1978. Yeah. So. And these are in the late 80s. These are coming out. 
honestly, I haven't seen either of those, but I knew the theme music from them because well, it's part of that iconic pop films. culture stuff. Yeah. So the actual content of her nightmare is properly surreal. So she hears something tapping at her window, looks out, and there's a giant mouse at her window. It's me, Luther. Luther, let me in, surely. Which I is, won't bite you this time. Which is Hal Smith doing a exaggerated Germanic kind of Transylvania accent. I only want to suck your blood. Yeah, and it's so funny. Every time Every Hal Smith accent, does goofy accents, it just makes me smile. Mm-hmm. He's the giant mouse Luther at the window. He no, says, I won't no. bite you this time, I promise. You promise? No, I will swallow you whole. <laughs> And then about that point, we sort of hear this weird hum that gets louder and louder until she wakes up screaming, and we realize there's a vacuum going on. And it's her mom vacuuming, which is, okay, when is her mom vacuuming? Is it the middle of the night? Because Shirley's so, asleep, I assume, in bed. Or did she just come home from wit's end in the middle of the afternoon, collapse on the couch, and go to sleep? Or is this only been an hour after she goes to bed? Because one thing that I have found talking with other moms of young children and asking, what in the world do you do when you have a one-year-old and want to try to clean your house? And everybody that I talk to who's a stay-at-home mom has said, I wait until night when they're in bed to do the floors. So again, we go back to how old is Shirley? Because she sounds very young. She acts very young. She acts very young. I would say she's six, but she's at wit's end by herself. The other kids sound that they could be 10 or 12. Yeah, I would say. So I assume she's older, but what if she has younger siblings and maybe her mom... The kids in Odyssey episodes so far are kind of ambiguous age, and we've talked about this before. Sometimes they say and do things that sounds like really little kids. Sometimes they say and do things that would be like preteens, older kids. It's kind of all over the board, and surely it sounds very young for an Odyssey kid in the age that we usually try to peg Odyssey kids. Anyway, her mom turns off the vacuum cleaner and comes in, and Shirley is like, there was a mouse, it was at my window, he was trying to get me, it was awful, and her mom is like, oh, honey, you must have hurt the vacuum cleaner, I'm sorry. That intonation, uh, where did they get this voice act? Yeah, and we've talked about the voice acting in this episode is subpar. The mom in particular, oh, I was like, so she bad. sounds like she's reading lines. Yeah. And Shirley is still sobbing, and she says, why do I have to be afraid all of the time? You don't, honey. You're just sensitive. That's all. Okay, beyond the quality of the acting, let's just look at that statement. Why do I have to be afraid all the time? That is a cry of desperation. Yes, because apparently this has gone on long enough that she sees it as a problem and wants to stop. And her mom's response is not going to be very helpful. On the one hand... She's desperate. She wants not to be afraid. And her mom is like, oh, you're just sensitive. Yeah, it's a a non-answer. Also, her mom is not understanding the problem. The level of Shirley's phobia is either a mental illness that needs to be looked at, or there's some trauma. Yeah, for a kid to be this scared of literally everything... I would be like, what has gone on in this or kid's past? the parents past? are pantophobic. Because there are some fears, I think, that kids get because their parents, without meaning to, encourage it. If I freaked out every time we turned off the lights, like, oh my gosh, the dark, 
with my son, then he would be very afraid of the dark. Yeah. But he's not because I don't make a big deal about it. So there are ways in which parents can accidentally encourage fears. But, but not this is every single fear yeah. of every single thing. Yeah, and so either her mom is ignoring the problem or does not see the problem, which is not a good thing. Shirley is going to be stuck in this forever. She's not getting any help from anywhere. After that scene, we go back to Wits End. It's the next day or a couple days later, and Jake finds Danny. No, Danny shows up because Jake's been there for a while. And they are hatching a plan. No, Jake is hatching a plan, and Danny is like, what? <laughs> Accurate. What are you doing? So Jake says, okay, I snuck down to the basement when Mr. Whitaker wasn't looking, and there's all kinds of creepy stuff like unfinished inventions and things like that down there, and the pipes make all kinds of weird noises when the water runs through the them pipes because are really old. old, and I've rigged a booby trap of boxes to fall down when I pull a string. So I need you to help me get Shirley down there. And, and we're going to scare her so bad that she'll, that she'll never, never be, be afraid, afraid of anything again. Yeah. And Danny's like, oh, well, maybe that would be a good idea and to help her. Who said anything about helping her? And at this point, it's like, okay, now you've crossed the line. The you're into scare overload. You're into jerk territory. It's yeah. not about actually trying to cure her fear. It's not some form of fear therapy. This is straight up about revenge. Yeah, and I grant you there's a certain level to which that kind of thing is helpful. And we did a little bit of it with having her hold the mouse. But I'd say there's a little bit of this that is healthy. For example, my mom had a plastic bug as part of we were puppeteers. And she had bought it because she thought it would be helpful. It, it wasn't. It didn't work very well. Anyway, the plastic, plastic bug, bug, it was six inches long. It was huge. Bigger than a bug should be. Was it like a beetle or a cockroach? Yeah, it was like a beetle. In terms of the scare factor, there's nothing wrong with it. It looked like a realistic bug. And she had it with our school supplies, I think, in the bureau in the dining room. And I would not open that drawer. I was seven. I did not like that bug. And I did not <laughs> want to see it. And I think mom had asked me to get something from that drawer. I'm like, no, I don't want to. And this was not the first time that we'd had this encounter of, I, I don't want you to open that drawer. It had gone on. Yeah. And she said, oh, this is ridiculous. Sit down. And she opened the drawer, and she pulled out the bug, and she said, Rachel, it is a plastic bug. You see? Sit down. Hold the bug in your hands. And I'm like, ah, no! And I'm crying, <laughs> holding this bug. And she's like, it is just a piece of plastic. Look at it. It's not going to do anything to you. Turn it over. See? And I don't know how long it took, but it got me over that hump. Okay, yes, <coughs> you're right. It's not going to do anything. It is a toy. It's fine. And Shirley's going through a similar thing, but it's not going to work well if it's all of the scary things all at once. So Jake says he's going to lure her down there for all of the scary things. When Mr. Whitaker goes out that afternoon, he had heard him tell Connie he had a meeting at the town hall. So he wants Danny to wait till they're down there for a little bit and then turn off the lights. And then to distract Connie with because Connie's going to be left running wit's end, apparently mm -hmm. by herself, oh, which she's apparently competent to do at this point. To run with them. So Danny's like, why would the train say I have written down? Boy, you're thick. Yeah, that's the line that he the says. Line. Trains make a whole lot of noise because he's worried she's going to scream. And if the train <coughs> is making a whole ton of noise and Connie is upstairs with it with Danny, then she's not going to hear Shirley screaming. So Shirley shows up and Danny is like, Shirley, 
Mr. Whitaker would like us in the basement. Yeah, he's super shady no, right no, from no. the start. It's really weird. And he's like, Danny, maybe you should call Connie over here to look at the table. And what? Danny's like, what? The table. It, it wobbles. wobbles. And you can hear him wink. He doesn't yeah. say wink, not but he almost he might as super well. super shady, but Shirley starts out saying, I'm not talking to you, Jake. And then almost immediately believes him when he says Mr. Whitaker wants them down in the basement. She's hesitant. She says, I, I don't like basements. They're creepy. And he said, well, Mr. Whitaker said he has something down here that will help you not be scared anymore. And he didn't think he could do it. And he she, just completely she's so egged her she's on. Like, okay, okay, I'll go. No, if you don't want to go down in the basement, you don't have to go. Don't go. Yeah, it's shady and she takes the bait. So then we have a commercial break. And so will we. When they come back, they're actually in the basement and she's still complaining. I think that maybe that's when she's like, I don't like basement. It's creepy. creepy. And he is doing this whole, Mr. Whitaker is just down this way. Okay, we need to stop for just a second and talk about what's in basement. Oh, yes. First off, having the basement open, the kids can get down. Obviously, this is yeah, this is restricted area. This is Wit's workshop. How is it unlocked? There's probably storage down there. This is not part of Wit's end for the kids to be playing. It's possibly quite large. Our college, which was in just one single building on a main street, had a fairly large basement that covered most of the footprint of the building. And we had library stacks down there. It was quite big. So the Whitsend basement, if it's anything like that, which it quite possibly might be, could cover the entire floor plan of Whitsend. So it could be a maze down there. They could legit get lost in the dark, maybe. Yeah, well, if it's a maze, or is it a big open basement, we don't know anything about what it looks like. We know a little bit more from future episodes. Let's just say for people who are familiar with the series, maybe it's a good thing for them that they didn't come across the secret room and all of that, because that would have been legitimately scary for the kids. Mm. But anyhow. First thing they come across is a clown thing. An electric clown. And he's like, this looks like an unfinished invention that Mr. Whitaker was making. He's supposed to laugh and wave its arms around, so he turns it on. And it starts laughing. <laughs> and she goes, creepy sound. It's creepy. Turn it turn off. It make off. It stop. And he turns it off and they keep going. Which, okay, stopping right there. Yeah. That is legitimately creepy. What were you doing, like Mr. Five Whitaker? That's Freddy's thing. That is Blackard's territory. Yeah. Why are you making a horrifying clown. robot clown? Why would you do that? That's not your normal M.O. They keep walking, and then the water pipes start going. What's that sound? What does it sound like to you? Water pipes, isn't it? Yeah. Probably. I think I might want to go back. He says, Mr. Whitaker is just down this way. I hope nothing happened to him. Maybe it's the rats. I heard some of them are as big as dogs. I don't like rats. He's like, well, don't worry. Mr. Whitaker wouldn't bring us down here if the rats could get us. Would he? Yeah, and he it's keeps making all of these, all of these. Shirk mode right now. It's so bad. He keeps making all of these statements that are designed to lead her to a certain conclusion. But I didn't say that. Right, exactly. So then they get to a dead end, and she's like, "I don't see Mr. Whitaker. Where is he?" And then the lights cut off, and she absolutely flips. Yeah. Just the screaming and the whining. Jane, where are you? The lights are out. 
Woo, I'm right here. Woo. Jake, stop it. Home. Stop it, Jake. I want to go home. Mommy. And she legit calls out Mommy, oh. which, again, calls into question, how old is this kid? Yeah. Because, okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing when our son, who is two, Gets scared in the night, or something happens, and well, he calls. I walk out of a room. Yeah, honestly, he doesn't like being left alone. He gets bored easily. He's but a very social child. But he'll call mommy, 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 or daddy, 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 and that's great. He's small. That's, that's fine. Great. If even as old as six or seven, if a kid calls mommy when they're scared, I'm sorry, that's a pathway to ridicule. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. She might legitimately want her mom. And that's not a bad thing to want your mom at this point. But no. shouting mommy like a tiny child. That's not going to win her any points. No. And realistically, what wow. I expect to happen is not that she would just freeze when Jake comes up and he's being all goofy <laughs> oh, yeah. about it. I would expect, more realistically, that she would go into fight or flight mode, and, and she would come out swinging, and I think she would just start punching and punching. She'd and prob- she could be screaming. She'd probably be screaming. She'd probably be crying. She'd be super upset, but I think she would also be just letting Throwing Jake punches. have it. Not just freezing, make it stop, make it stop. But full on, we have lost our minds, and that's a more difficult Thing to do in audio I understand it would take a lot of choreography sound and, choreography and probably some spoken stuff like ow ow stop or, whoa hey or stop just stop hitting me yeah. yeah it might be a little more difficult to communicate but I think it would have been a much more realistic character and reaction and it would have transitioned better into the next thing that happened it would which is he's saying alright you weren't supposed to cry stop crying this was just a joke I break all this to scare you I have a flashlight right in my and you hear all the boxes fall. And he supposedly tripped over his booby trap. But I don't understand how you can trip pulling a flashlight out of your pocket. It would transition better. <laughs> I could you... trip pulling a flashlight out of my <laughs> you pocket. could. Yes. Yes, that is possible. <laughs> he is like Josh level clumsy. So that's how it goes in the episode. Although more realistically, if she were if punching she were and hitting and him punching, and he could whatever, be backing up. Like and then trip over up, his stuff. Trip over his booby trap. The boxes fall, and that kind of startles her out of her freak out. Freak out to be, oh my gosh, Jake, what happened? She says that. He says he tripped over his booby trap, and the boxes fell on him. And he says, I rigged this up to scare you, scare but you. I twisted my ankle, yeah, and it hurts. Yeah, he tries to stand up. She's like, what do we do? Call for help. So they start calling. Help, help somebody. And then we have a scene cutaway, and we've got Danny, and he's got Connie up in the train room. He's That's showing her something the with the trains. Yeah. Which, again, we've talked a bit about Wits End and the layout not being real clear. One thing that is clearly stated, though, that the train room is on the second floor. She mentions it in Promises, Promises. Connie says you have an electric train upstairs. So they are upstairs. So there are literally one whole story between the basement in the basement and Connie and Danny. And in the sound design, you hear Shirley and Jake... Just way faintly in the background calling calling. for help. And Connie hears it above the train. 
which seems a little bit stretching things that you would hear them although, three stories down. Although benefit of the doubt, it's you yeah, know okay. possible. She's, She's like, like what's what's going, going on? on? And Danny makes some statement. Oh, it might be some of those kids listening to one of those radio shows, which is a kind of on the nose nod to audio drama hey it's those kids listening to an audio drama inside an audio drama also is that just a thing that happens frequently in this house you know what i can imagine wits end having a big old-timey radio that the kids could listen to with giant dials what do you want to bet that is one of those in wits end probably he says don't worry about it here let's see when we crank the train up really high how fast it goes and the train noises increase yeah and so connie can't hear what's going on Mm -hmm. so then we go back to shirley and jake and nobody's coming and jake says his leg is swelling up really bad which i'm not entirely sure how he knows that in the dark and Shirley is going to need to go back to the door. There is much weeping and wailing. And he's like, you can do it. It's fine. Just go back the way we came. So she's creeping up. Uh, and he's kind of talking her through it. Keep talking. Tell me what you're finding. Okay, I think I found a work bitch. Ew! What? I put my hand in something sticky. It's paint, I think. She yeah. smells it. She's like, okay, I'm okay, I guess. Yeah, so it's pitch dark. She can't see anything. And then the pipes start going. And she's like, what's that noise? Make it stop! stop! I hate it! Stop! And at that point, then she starts praying, God, please make it stop. And has this kind of statement where I know it's all in my My head. head. Which... Kind I know of none of this was in her head. What is she actually talking well, about here? Well, the sound is far louder than water pipe. It gets louder. So I don't know if they're meaning that the sound, the volume is all in her head at this point. But she's like, I know it's just my imagination. Please help me to help not me to be trust scared. you or yeah. something like that. I love you, Lord. I know you always take care of me because you promised. And then she starts singing. And her vocal quality changes altogether. She calms down instantly. Mm -hmm. So then they start singing, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't know if any of you, Josh didn't recognize that song. (laughs) But I did. Not sure where I heard it. This episode. (laughs) Maybe. But I remember being familiar with it when they started singing it. Anyway, let's pause and talk about this. So singing when you're scared, and especially singing scriptural things or hymns or something it's really not a bad principle praying when you're scared praying when you're scared is a great idea what she is bringing out are all very good ways of coping with your fear and this is not just a psychological thing this is not just whistling through a graveyard this is a matter of choosing to recenter yourself and remind Mm -hmm. yourself of god's goodness Mm -hmm. and place your trust in him and this is all solid However, nowhere in the episode up to this point was it talked about. No one said something yeah. about reciting Bible verses or singing songs or praying. Or Even the that. way that she prayed, nobody talked about that God promises that he will always take care of us. None of this has been brought up. She's not been coached in any of this. Contrary, she's been allowed to continue in this state of paranoia. So there is no reason for her to put her big girl pants on now. Character-wise. Except except that it works with the plot. Yeah, so suddenly she decides to woman up, and she's like, well, time to not be scared anymore. Yeah, and it's unearned. 
So it's not that the principles of the things being displayed are bad. Right. They're pretty good. Yeah. It's just from a character standpoint, we were like, wow, that was sudden. She goes from being whiny, whiny, whiny to suddenly competent. Yeah. And I don't know how that happened. I would have been satisfied if the way that she brought herself out of it had been taught to her yeah. previously in the episode. If Wit or her mom or someone had talked to her about doing this earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Also, minor note, when they start singing, because she starts singing and then Jake says, what are you doing? She says, I'm singing. And so then he starts singing with her. That is a missed opportunity for some good reconciliation between them because we don't ever get that. Yeah, it would have been so nice because when they're singing together, they're singing the same song. Clearly, they both have learned this Mm -hmm. maybe at Wit's End or at Mm -hmm. some Bible club or at church or something like that. And you could have had a great moment of... I'm sorry, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. But none of that is spoken. No, it's not. She gets to the door. Mr. Whitaker opens the door and she's like, Mr. Whitaker, Jake heard his leg. He's back there. And the scene ends. Yeah, It the suddenly scene ends. cuts off. And the next scene is Mr. Whitaker giving her a cone of chocolate ripple and saying that Jake is going to be laid up for a little bit at the hospital. And he says he's very proud of her. Although he doesn't understand how she got paint all over herself. Which I don't understand how you can get paint all over yourself when you just yeah. put your hand in it. All over like herself. Yourself like, <laughs> as you're going. Yeah. Oh no, I'm so scared. I or need to shoulder. just like <laughs> rub, rub paint everywhere. Okay. Yeah. But he says that Jake is going to be laid up for a, bit, for a bit. Which is maybe all well and good because I talked with his dad. Yeah, and he and he's going to be grounded for the rest of his life. Forever. <laughs> And Wit kind of chuckles. And Danny is in pretty deep, too. Yeah, and Wit does chuckle. So several things here. Number one, this is good from an audience standpoint. We mm-hmm. need to know that these boys get some comeuppance. Yeah. Because honestly, as much as I joked about they did nothing wrong, they absolutely did a lot of bad Never stuff. lying. Yeah, if I was that kid's dad, Jerk and I, moves. well, and breaking into a uh, restricted area, area of Wits End and setting up boob trap, literally everything. Mm-hmm. If I was his dad and had this story told to me, I would be so mortified on behalf of my You're son. You're going to go apologize to Mr. Whitaker. You're going to write you written right. apologies to everyone, mm-hmm. and you're going to be grounded until I think of a suitable punishment, yes. and then we'll deal. So, all that, totally all well and good. Something I didn't appreciate, though, is Wit telling Shirley this. And for one sense, this is an economy of storytelling thing. Yes. But I will say that on a matter of principle, if this was a real-life scenario, not cool, Wit, talking yeah, about other kids' problems with another kid. When I was a teacher, I always made an issue. When a kid got in trouble, it was between me and that kid or me and that kid and that kid's parents or what have you. If another kid asked about it, I would be like, yeah, not really your business. Let's move on with our lives. And I think that kind of helps foster trust with kids. Even when we have to discipline our son, we take him out of the room with everyone else and discipline him and then bring him back. It's a matter of helping maintain that kid's dignity. It's not like you're going to not punish your son, but there's a proper way to do that. And I would say this just seems a little bit dropping the ball leadership-wise for him to be chuckling over their demise with another kid. Yeah. And to be fair, again, this is a bit unearned because we haven't had the reconciliation between them, but she says, I hope they don't get in too much trouble because it actually helped me overcome my fear. Once I started keeping my mind on Jesus, I stopped thinking about how scared I was. 
and I'll never be afraid of anything ever again. Which is unearned. And Mr. Well, also says extreme. Something about, yeah, an extreme. And Mr. Whittaker, when she says that once I started keeping my mind on Jesus, does he harken back to the perfect love cast out here? I think he does. Which works, and that's all well and good. And then when she says, I will never be afraid of anything again, Connie comes in and says, hey, look what I found on the sidewalk. Oh, a bug! Oh my goodness, get it away from me! And everyone laughs, and it's the end of the episode. It's the perfect sitcom ending. But um, bum we're back to square one. Have the characters really learned anything? I don't know. Maybe a little bit. Supposedly, Shirley has. So then we go to Chris. And she just kind of wraps up everything and gives us the actual reference to the verse about perfect love casting out here. Mm-hmm. Which is First John 4.18. So this is yet another time, though, that the way the scripture is used sounds great and it's expressing a principle that is good and it is biblical but is not really tied to the text so listen to the context of what's actually going on in this verse so this is verse 17 by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world here's verse 18 there is no fear in love But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So what's going on here, first off, is that we're given in Odyssey only the first half of the verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And then it cuts off, but we're not given the second half of the verse, which explains what John meant here. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Based on even the previous verse's context, we can understand he is talking about the final judgment. And what is the fear here? The fear is the fear of condemnation. The fear of not being able to come into God's presence. Mm -hmm. What he says is that in our natural state as fallen sinful beings, it would be right for us to be afraid to come into God's presence. We're afraid of condemnation. However, God loves us. He sent Jesus. Perfect love casts out that fear. So now we can come confidently into God's presence. It's not about fear in general. It's about a very specific fear. And it's about redemption. Yeah. So this is a practice that's known as proof texting. And we've seen it now multiple multiple times. times in Odyssey, where it's a matter of, I come up with an idea or I heard something kind of scriptural-ish. This is a good thought. Let me find a Bible verse that ties to that thought. Without any respect to the context or how the verse was originally intended. And this is a really poor way to study scripture. It's almost a lack of study altogether. Kind of going to get Bible scholary a little bit on you guys. Two terms you should be aware of are eisegesis and exegesis. Eisegesis, to eisegete something, is to take your own ideas and try to fit them into a text. Mm -hmm. And this is really, really, really dangerous. It's dangerous when you're looking... It's easy to do if you're doing this kind of proof test. And it's dangerous if you're doing it in scripture. It's dangerous if you're doing it in history it's dangerous if you're doing it in literary criticism it's just a bad way to read it's a bad way to hold a conversation yeah exegesis to exegete something means to look closely at the text and to figure out 
from the context, what was the author intending us to understand through this? And this is especially important when we're reading scripture. This is God's word. We've talked before in a different Return to Odyssey episode that you can't just make the Bible say whatever you want it to because it's convenient. You need to be very, very careful when handling scripture that you're saying what the Bible actually says. Yes. And even though the principle here, again, is good. They could have gotten a proof text, as it were, from a different part of the Bible. When I am afraid, I will trust in you in God whose word I pray. They could have gotten it straight from the Psalms. There's less context. There's less to misconstrue, maybe, in some of those verses. In this one, they chose a verse, again, that's not really talking about the thing that they say it is. It's like that bit in the the Princess Bride. Keep keep using using that that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. You keep using this method. I do not think those verses mean what you think they mean. Yeah, and that's a problem. And that's it for the episode, though. Sorry, guys. We last week were very optimistic that we had gotten out of the negative bad, criticism, negative criticism and now we're back into yeah, we're back. one that was kind of. this is mostly cosmetic. It's not near as bad as some of the ones we've done previously. No, this is not like the day after Christmas. Oh, the, that may go down in infamy. Yeah, the problems we have with this one are more Very just the kids are annoying and whiny, but the story itself is not bad. No. And the principle is good. And if they had done better exegesis, it would have all worked fairly cohesively and fairly well, I feel like. Yeah. So that is it for us. Thank you so much for joining us again. And if you want to get in touch with us about this episode or any of our previous episodes, send us an email to serpentanddovespecfic, S-P-E-C-F-I-C, at gmail.com. And remember to check out our Audible link and sign up for your 30-day free trial and get a copy of The Tale of Despero because it's really cute and really fun. It is. So go enjoy that. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Have a great day.